Mr. Cornell Fingers Philip. Welcome to Untapped Potential. As an icon and a pioneer of Dominica's music, it is a pleasure and an honor to have you with us today. Well, I mean, it's a pleasure to have to be on your show. I mean, I, I have been following it and it's very interesting. Um, I looked at your last guest, I think it was Gordon. And obviously I looked at Carleen and it, it's an honor. And I just want to give, share what I can share with about me and about Dominican music and about Dominican all. Yes, and you have so much to share. With over 35 years in the music industry, we are certain lo certainly looking forward to hearing all from you today. So now I know you've had a very extensive history with Dominican music, so we're not going to delve so much on your past. What we really want to focus on are just some obstacles and challenges you faced along right. the way, how you were able to overcome them, and more importantly, what does your future hold? So are there some challenges you can tell us about, whether it be in the earlier days, whatever you'd like to share with us? When people ask me about my challenges, I always point to that point in my life where I had to make the decision of leaving WCK and branching out to other things. Mm -hmm. um, there came a time when, I mean, I was in WCK from since inception in 1987-88 and um, it was 2004 and there came a time when I, you know, everything, I felt stagnant, stagnated. It was the same thing over and over. I was around the same musicians that I grew up with from since I was small, you know, and I felt that I wasn't going anywhere. You know, so I had to make the decision if I should stick on with the program with WCK or if I should move on, not knowing what I was moving on to. Mm -hmm. And then I got this call from a guy in Barbados who gave me this opportunity to be the keyboardist for Rupee. Mm -hmm. And you know, when the stars align, mm -hmm. I just saw it as the opportunity to to do something else, you know? So I just didn't leave and not knowing how I was going to um, make myself financially stable or anything like that, but the opportunity presented itself. So I took that opportunity and that part there, that was a turning point of my, I think that was the main turning point of my life. Yeah, certainly, because I wanted to ask you about that because we were so proud when we found out that you had moved over to Rupi, who is a right. major player in the worldwide industry right, in right. soca music. So what was that decision like for you? I mean, when you had to tell the band as a founding member that you are now going to move over it to Rupi, what was that like? I mean, the transition was, the decision was easy. The transition wasn't easy mm -hmm. because by that time, I mean, when you were first set up musicians for so long, you have the good times and you have the bad times. And we were going through a bad time in our history, right. you know, so leaving, it had a certain level of bad blood between us and stuff like that. Whereas it was an easy decision, but it was something that kind of took a toll because of the relationships, the friendship relationships that I had with Keith, seeing that he was my best friend from since so long and now I was going to leave him and go into something else. So um, it's, as I said, the decision was easy, but then the transition was, was hard. I didn't want the band to fail, you know, I didn't want WTK to fail because of what I had done. So yes. I made myself available if they needed me for anything and whatever and whatever. Even when I went to Barbados, I would still call to find out how things were going, right. if there's anything that they needed help with and stuff like that. Yeah, and I want to come back to that, but you know, we have quite a bit of an audience that is not from Dominica. Right. And Colin did a great job of telling us what is Booyah music. It's a combination of our, you know, our heritage and popular music at the time. Right. But for those who are not familiar with who you are and our music, I would encourage them to go to my website, Push Past 10, because I included a great biography of who you are and the music. Oh you uh, created. So I would encourage them 
to go to pushpast10.com so they can, they can get a complete picture of who you are. But I want to start off um, with this particular question. When, do you, when did you realize that you guys had created a new genre of music? Um, it was in the early 90s. Keith and I would come and we, we went to the same school, we were in the same class. And um, after, we actually lived pretty close together also. So after school, we would come to my house and that's, in, that's just basically what happened. It's, it goes much more in detail. But um, my brother, Daryl Phillip, he was a cultural officer who was at the time um, archiving the rhythms of Dominica, the rhythms and the dances of Dominica. And he would bring down these guys from all over different parts of, of the island, bring them to the house. This house right here, which I call the house of Buyo, that's where Buyo was created. Um, and he would record, he was, you know, he was recording, digitally recording the, the songs and of the bands and stuff like that. And what happened is that Keith and I being the younger ones, we had this little electronic keyboard and then we were trying to play to, like we were just messing around in the keyboard and then Daryl would come and tell us that, he, that we were disturbing him. You know, so he wanted us to stop because we were disturbing him. And what we did, we actually started playing along with them. Wow. You know, like we were, we were still far apart. He was doing his recordings on this side. We were, do, we were doing our thing on that side, but we were playing along with them, not realizing that we are actually transitioning from the traditional instruments into the electronic instruments. And before you know it, um, we started to play for tea parties and stuff like that. And people started to hear, people started to take notice of what was happening. And at that time also, live bands were kind of non-existent. It was the hi-fi had totally taken over. Right. So when they saw these two young boys doing these things and stuff, they started to take note and then we started to play. And then my brother basically brought us into another, another set of friends of his including Derek Rapiters and Ashton Lugie. And we came together and we formed a group and then um, it's a long history. But yeah, it's basically that's where it started. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> now, does Daryl regret trying to stop you guys from playing because he was the one saying you were interrupting him? <laughs> well, I don't think so because, I mean, think of it. If he didn't stop us, we would never try to play what he, what exactly. he was doing. You know, so... Exactly. It had its ups and downs. Um, we were totally pissed off at him at the time that he did it. Right. You know, when you have your bigger brother coming and telling you to stop doing this and, you know, laying his authoritative hand on you, you know, and but we just, I, I don't know, things happen. Things happen yes. for a reason. There's no, I, I do not question things that happen because later down the line, there's always some good to come off. Yes, but that, that is a beautiful story. So thank you for sharing with us. Now, since then, Buyo has evolved. So we've yeah. seen a number of Dominican bands take up um, Buyo and created their own versions. But for right. now, it seems like there are two versions, right? So you have the Triple K version, which is a lot of chanting and upbeat. And now I just spoke to, to Shelly, you have the Signal Band version, which is a <laughs> lot more melodic with, with lyrics. So do you have a preference? Um, it depends on how you look at it. The two versions that I can talk about is the classic style, which the original WCK did, which is in my day. Mm -hmm. and then what we call the new school buyo, mm -hmm. right? And the new school buyo had put people like Triple K and Signal Band in that same, same realm, you know, but that's from my perspective, you know, because of when I was raised up. With Shelley, he might see it differently because of where he came, at what time he came in, in the history, you know, but the... I mean, I think the music has evolved yes, yes. Um, positively, in a positive way. Um, before, WCK was more focused on the traditional rhythms and maintaining, because that's what Booyah music was about, you know, um, preserving the traditional rhythms and styles of Dominica. That is where it came from. That is, that, that, that is basically a main root of Booyah music, you know, preserving the tradition. But... In recent times, you found that 
Triple K, um, Signal, Excess Groove. There are so many bands. There are right. so many bands in Uya bands in Dominica. They started to make the music more marketable, so to speak. You know, because Booyah music was, its main competitor was Soka. Mm -hmm. And Soka was about the jump and wave and stuff like that. So when you would go on tour to United States or to, um, to Europe and you're on stage with that high energy band like Marshall Montana and Ecstatic and Square One and Crossfire, you know, these are the guys that we used to play on stage with all the time. But their music was more high energy and our music, Dominica liked to chip. Mm -hmm. You know, you can remember Carnival on the road yes, is a chipping yes, kind of a vibe yes. instead of the jump and wave chipping kind of a vibe. down the road. <laughs> right. But with soca music is the jump and wave. Yes. So we had to kind of, and because of their population, there's so much more soca artists than Buyo artists that I shouldn't say we didn't have a prayer, but it would have been very difficult for our music, the way it was at the time, to really penetrate into their markets. Mm -hmm. So we had to evolve. I think the music had to evolve to a more from a from the chipping to the more jump and wave kind of a vibe to make it more appealing to the outside, you know, the outside right. Caribbean, the outside world. Yeah. You know, so I think that's where the evolution evolution came from. And I must say I'm happy about it. I cannot yeah. say that I'm, I'm not happy about the way how the music is. There's another thing that we might probably touch on where the lyrics is concerned, but mm -hmm. you know, that is something that can be easily fixed. But the foundation, I think that the Buyo Foundation is extremely strong. Right, well, I'm happy that you're pleased with the direction it's going. And I'm also happy that you brought up Marshall Montano. But before we talk about uh, Marshall, I just want to remind everyone that you're listening to Untapped Potential and we're speaking to Mr. Cornell Fingers Philip. There's a reason they call him Fingers. <laughs> Out of Dominica. And he's one of the originators of our music called uh, Booyo Music. So let's talk a little bit about Marshall Montano, um, Cornell, because I have to tell you, the first time I heard that song minister of the road uh -huh. i almost lost my mind i was like oh my god marshall montano stole our music i was outraged and then <laughs> and then i heard him mention and you tell me if this is true that he had actually collaborated with either you or somebody else from dominica on the song so that kind of made me a little bit happy not not on that song on okay. is a vibe okay the vibe um that came out i think two years ago um where they use the balance body sample the accordion sample mm -hmm. they used it on in part of the song mm -hmm. you know and i was really honored i mean Buyo music has influenced um has influenced soca music in such a big way yes. i mean from from since way back you know but especially now there's a big influence on on of Buyo music on soca music mm -hmm. and i am all for it yes absolutely. you know i'm all for it um the what i'm scared of what i'm very concerned about is the fact that we have to be careful that well not the fact but we have to be careful that we don't lose Buyo music doesn't lose its identity and its origin mm -hmm. you know and we really need as artists we really need to and as the industry the dominican music industry really really need to put things in place to really identify your music as it being 100 percent dominican yeah certainly and i think what my experience also speaks to is how protective we are of our music but that can Very. actually be a disadvantage because here we have a mega superstar in, in soca almost right. like what 40 years of experience he's considered right. the king of soca music and he's you know exposing our music and my first reaction is he's trying to steal the music so i think it's speaking to you know us being able to change our mindset to get our yeah. products out yeah. there because i mean music is universal yeah you know music is universal um Buyo music i think the only there's only one original song in this world was the first song that was ever made do you know it ever, no i don't <laughs> But I'm just saying that every song, every song made after that was a spin-off, the original. Yes. You understand? So who, who am I to say that um, nobody else can play our music? I mean, we play reggae music. 
We play soca music. Right. We produce reggae, soca music, R&B, disco, whatever it is at the time. We produce it as Dominicans. So mm -hmm. I see nothing wrong in another culture adopting it. Yeah. You know, but it just has to be labeled as what it is. Yeah, and it's good you exposure know? for us because he's gone on to make other songs like Family that he actually right. recorded part of the video in Dominica. In Dominica yeah. So it's actually a benefit to us. But I think the concern is always that you know, will it at some point become that now people are thinking that Booyah music originated in Trinidad, if they, they take over it too much? You see, um, it's about the narrative. I mean, as I said earlier, the soca world is so much bigger than the Booyah world. Mm -hmm. And when Marshall comes out with a song, a hit song, any song, people are going to say that it's a soca song. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm saying that it is the responsibility of us as Dominican artists to really brand and really put out material branded as Booyah and be proud of it and market our, our, our brand and let people know that this is a brand from Dominica. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. because I, I mean, I mean the, problem, the problem didn't start from Marshall. The problem exactly. started from years ago when you had old woman we taken home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was a spin-off of Kongshell. Yes, it was. You understand? And Dominicans were pissed. Yes, <laughs> You understand? Be. And also we had an issue, well, not an issue, but there was a situation where, um, or there was a song with Ricky T. Um, mm -hmm. What is it? Pressure Boom. Oh, okay. Right? Pressure Boom was done by Ricky T. And the producer from St. Lucia came to me and he asked me, he told me that he wanted to do a song like WCK and he asked me for the tones, the Booyah tones, the tones that I use in Booyah. The tones are not mine. The tones were generated from a keyboard, from a synth. Right. So I, I had no problem in giving him the tones. I mean, I, I didn't make the beat. I didn't produce the beat by giving him the tones that we, that we use with Booyah. If I didn't give it to him, he could have gotten it somewhere else. He could have gone listen to the songs and look for the tones anyway. He could have gone and, listened, and looked at videos and see what keyboards I was using and stuff like that and gotten the tones from them. You know, so I gave it to him and then they produced the song and there was this big opera in Dominica that um, I sell out. Oh, wow. I sell out your music. To me, that wasn't the case. But what I was concerned about now is when the song came out, it, people looked at it as a soca song. Mm -hmm. Right now, I called the producer and I told him, "Hey, I mean that is situation and this and that, and I look concerned that people looking at that as a soca song." But I had to understand that the song or the artist is a soca artist from Saint Lucia. Mm -hmm. Now, when DJs hear this song, when soca DJs hear this song, they're going to stamp it as a soca song. Now, he being a soca artist, going on the radio and having interviews, when they make reference to soca. What is he going to do? Is he going to say, no, 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 this is not a soca song. That's going to tarnish his, his, um, he, he being an artist, a soca artist. It's not going to be positive on he being a soca artist. So as I say, it comes down to us Dominican artists and the Dominican music industry and the government and the Dominican festivals committee to really put things in place and really market the music outside there to make it be known that your music is this style and it is from Dominica. Yeah, so certainly a lot to learn, certainly a lot to learn. But let's go back to your journey. So you started talking about moving over um, to Rupi and the decisions uh, that you had to make with that. So tell us about what that experience was. What was like the biggest stage you performed on? What was it like working with a, a megastar such as Rupi? To be honest, the biggest stage I played on was with WCK. Really? Straight up. I, we played in Madison Square Garden. I didn't yeah. know that. What yeah, year was that? Madison Square. That, is, that was in the 90s, together with Marshall and Ecstatic, Square oh. One. I mean, we, we played some serious venues. We played Wembley. But when I say Madison Square Garden, not in the stadium itself, right? Right, right. right. <laughs> you know, but, you know, there are, there are so many, uh, there are many auditoriums, you know, around on the, on the compound. <laughs> you know, we played at Wembley Stadium also. You know, so um, with Rupee, 
I can't remember the biggest stage I played on for Rupi. I know, what I remember vividly is that our first tour was a 21-day bus tour. Wow. We went to, we rehearsed, when I went to Barbados, we rehearsed for three weeks and then we went straight up to New York, New York City, and then we just went on a bus, we lived on the bus, and then we just started to drive from state to state to state to state and just performing all over the place. How, how did you find that? Did you like it or did you long yes, for when things nice. were stagnant? <laughs> it, 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 it was a very nice experience. Um, first of all, I was very excited to finally play with a new group of musicians. Mm -hmm. And that group was so diverse. I mean, you had people from Trinidad, from Antigua, from Barbados, from Dominica. You understand? So the band, they had all kind of different cultures, different mindsets. It, it, it was an experience. It was an experience. I mean, yes. even today, if I call one of these guys, the first thing they would tell me, Mr. You know, because my accent was so strong. It, well, I guess it is so strong to them, you know, because I had that Dominican accent and so, and they would always, if I call any one of them now, they'll say, hey, mister, what the vibes, you know? <laughs> but um, it was a great experience. Yeah, I was happy. Great. It was intimidating at first, but what really broke the ice is that when I went into the rehearsal room the first time and I met them, um, they were making reference to Balance Barty and WCK and stuff like that. And they asked me to play the song, play the accordion riff. And when I played the accordion riff, these guys hit the roof. Wow. You know, I never expected a simple lick like this to, to, you know, to create such a buzz. And I was like, no, you guys can't be serious. A simple thing as this. And these guys hit the roof, you know? So when that happened, I was like, hey, well, I mean, I'm one of the guys. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, let, let, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell me, how long did you play for Rupi and, and how did it end? Um, I played for Rupi for two years, I would say two years, a little less than two years. Mm -hmm. um, Rupi eventually had some personal stuff that he had to deal with. And then all of us went back to our homeland, okay. expecting to come back, right. but not knowing what was going to happen. And at the time I came back, it was just before Carnival. It was coming up. Actually, we had a whole set of tours lined up for, for um, Trinidad Carnival. And then that had to be shelved for some reason. So we came back home. And at Carnival in Dominica, because we share the same time, yes, you know, yes. the same time as Trinidad. Mm -hmm. And I started to produce again in Dominica. I started to produce my Calypsos. I started to work with different Buyo artists and stuff like that. And I just made my foothold back in Dominica and I decided, hey, um, I think I'll just stay home. Okay. You know, and the band never actually came back together, the, the dot-com band, which is what we call ourselves, mm -hmm. Rupi and the dot-com band, mm -hmm. we never came back together per se. Um, I think when Digicel launched in Dominica, they brought down Rupi and they actually brought the band back together just because we knew the repertoire already, we knew what we had to do, so we just did that one last gig, mm -hmm. you know, but that was it. And then okay. I, just, I just stayed in Dominica. Yeah, I, I can see why. So you've had quite a career, but tell me, were you ever at a point of frustration where you just wanted to completely walk away from music? No. Good for you. Good for you. Um, the thing about it is that I am not only a musician. Mm -hmm. I wear many hats in the music industry. Right. Um, I was fortunate enough to be around a lot of people who were in the industry way before me and learned from their experiences, you know? So I made sure I registered my, myself, I registered my company, I tried my best to do everything right. And um, I think I, I have done a good enough job that I can sustain myself in music in Dominica. 
Good. So again, if you're just joining us, we're speaking to Mr. Cornell Fingers Philip out of Dominica, a legendary Buya artist, and he's telling us all about his wonderful journey. So Cornell, I have a question for you. I know that you have children. Right. Now, Colin was on our show and she told us uh, her mom was very supportive of her music career, but she also had to have another career. So she was a nurse. Uh. You, went, you went straight from high school to being a musician. Yeah. What if your kids wanted to go straight from high school to being musicians and performers? Would you allow them to pursue your path or would they have to go through Colin's path? That would be hypocrite of me, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be. I mean, at the time that I was growing up, um, the music industry, or I should say music, wasn't considered an industry. <laughs> you understand? Um, because when I was growing up, as I said earlier, there were no live bands. It was only hi-fi. Right. So the respect of the musician and the artist and the singer and the producer was, you know, it, it just was not there. So what, um, as you said, since when I left school, I went into music because my mother saw that is what I did. She wasn't too happy about it, um, but I am the last of 11 and all of, all of us play. You know, all of us play. So, and even before I left school, there was WCK. You understand? So it was an easy transition. Um, and we had a family business, so I went into the family business until I literally said one day, I, I got up from my chair at work and I said, hey, I will not be coming back. And I just went straight to the credit union and I got a loan. I bought a first keyboard and that was it. Oh, wow. You understand? So um, I cannot, I mean, I know what I went through and I know how hard it is. So I cannot say I would discourage them from being, from pursuing a career in the arts, you know, because there's so, there's so much potential in the arts. I mean, I have a, my last daughter, eight years old. I mean, she does animation. Wow. She doesn't draw, but she animates. What does you know, she tell, tell us more about that. What does she do? It's like she draws the picture. Then after she will go to another page, well, it's on a tablet, it's not paper right now, but it's on a tablet, she will draw and she'll color the picture. Then she will go to another page and she'll flick back and she will draw an, a, a variation of it. Wow. And then she'll draw a variation of the next and of the next. And then she'll put them together and you'll see this dog walking. Oh you'll God. see these animated flowers and stuff like that. And I'm like, I, I, I would never think of doing that when I was younger. You know, so I mean, I honestly hope that she goes into, I, I honestly hope she pursues this. Yes, yes. Be honest, I hope she pursues this because I mean, animation is something that takes time. Mm -hmm. And from what I'm, I'm seeing from her, she has the patience. She, she would take four days just working on one thing. Wow. You know, these animated movies take months. Mm -hmm. For years, but I think she has it. She has that temperament where she can sit down at it and do it until she's completed with it and she's happy with the product. Yeah, and I'm certainly happy that she's uh, that you're encouraging her. So, yeah. so have any of your other kids shown an interest in music? They like to listen. Okay, <laughs> but they're not taking an um, interest in performing. No, I wouldn't. Okay, they can they can sing, they can dance, and they enjoy themselves, but to take up like an instrument formally. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously I send them to music school and stuff like that because my mm -hmm. sister is a music teacher. Yes. But, um, nah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, as long as they're pursuing their interests, that's the most yeah. important thing. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I watch you every uh, Sunday night with um, Colin XP uh, Musical right. Therapy and you're just so full of life and energy. So I'm just wondering what is next for, uh, Cornell Fingers Philip, what's the next thing for you? What's next? Just keep pushing on. I mean, I am a producer. Mm -hmm. So being a producer allows you to take many different roads, many different angles, because you, you get to work with many different artists. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, I am a musician. I'm a session musician, which allows me the same benefits. 
I get to go in all kinds of places. I'm also an engineer, which allows me to, to mold the sound of bands across the board. <laughs> you understand? Um, and also, I like to, my main focus, honestly, is to develop Dominican music and Dominican artists. I mean, I will do anything. I, will, I, I would never keep information through my experiences from other musicians. It was done to me when I was growing up, and I know it felt, and I know the hard work involved. So I really cannot see myself doing that to an upcoming musician. So I try my best to help musicians in any which way that I can. Yeah, and you also have a, do you have a publishing, a production company? Yes, our production company, Imperial okay. Publishing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, as, as I said earlier, I try to do things the right way from day one. So I have a registered company since 1996, between 96 and 98, I can't remember exactly. But since around, so when I, um, when I was in WCK and then I started a recording studio around the mid nineties. And then I call it Imperial Publishing and then I re registered, not realizing that there is so much more than just the recording studio and playing an instrument. Mm -hmm. You know, so I actually had the foresight because, well, I figured I had the foresight because of the name, it's called Imperial Publishing. Right. But the publishing is not just the recording studio, there's so much more, you know, so I have gone into actual publishing of music being the publisher of music, musical works. I have done pro production, I have done arrangement, I have done musicianship on songs, I've done everything, everything in music I have done. So, so, so one of the reasons I ask you that question about what next with, for you is I see that now you guys are doing so much in this space of uh, merchandising with Colin's right, brand. Right, right. So I was just curious if that is something, hint, hint, <laughs> that you might want to look into for like other bands and other musicians. I'm just saying. You know, it's funny. All this happened because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Because we had gigs lined up, we had tours lined up, and not only with Carlin XP or Cornell Phillip, but with other people that we work with. Mm -hmm. And everything was shelved. You know? Well, everything except the light bill, the water bill, the loan, yes. that wasn't shelved. Yes. And if you don't pay, the interest going up. So we had to find things to do. So that is, when we started musical therapy, we actually just started it, we just wanted something to do, mm -hmm. right? So we, and we said that we haven't done anything in a while. I had my phone, it was connected to the internet. I told Colin, let's go live, let's just do something. You know, and it was a big success and people keep asking, people call us and they told us, please don't stop because at least they, they have something to do. They have something to look forward, look forward to every to Sunday, yeah. you know, so they ask us not to stop. But then now we had to try to see what we could do. We, we saw it as an opportunity to see if we could make something of it, you know, make some, make some kind of financial reward of it. Now. The same situation that we are going through, everybody else is going through it. So I didn't want to create an online show where somebody must pay. Right. You know, because I know what I'm going through is not every time I can do, I can pay for this or pay for that or whatever. So, and still we wanted to engage and entertain our audience and Colin XP fans. Mm. So we decided, let us give them an option to donate, you know, so they, it's free, but if you want, you can donate. So we created that model and it's been working well for us. But we decided, well, I decided, or I should say we decided we married, so we won. <laughs> Be careful now, Cornell. <laughs> it's always so we. So we decided, let's see what we can do again. I mean, and I sat down at the computer for a week. I put up my legs, I put up my feet, I had the computer on my lap and I was just going through things. And then I came across this idea and I just started to make prints. I just started to design prints and do this and do that. And then the online store came about. Beautiful. You know, and um, it's, I mean, it's been doing well. Well, I should, 
It's been doing well in the sense that we're not in the red. <laughs> you know, at least it can help pay some of the bills and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, you, you have to be creative because after all, we are in a creative industry. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and COVID really opened our eyes to really look. It opened our eyes to look deeper than ourselves to really see what we could get. What, what we need to do, what were we doing, what, ha what, what we need to do that we haven't done. And it's simple things to implement, you know, but I guess we're so busy for our lives and stuff that we never got a chance to do it. So we finally got a chance to sit down and really reflect on our future. And that's when all these things start to pop up, you know. Right now we we at our 24th, this Sunday will be our 24th week. Mm -hmm. of doing musical therapy and there are so many things that we're thinking of there are so many i shouldn't say so many hurdles but there are hurdles that we need to cross you know because of the copyright infringement thing that is happening on social media right now and facebook starting to clamp down youtube starting to clamp down so we have to start reevaluating, you know but um the service is there the opportunities are there, it's just how you do it, and we just need to evolve and develop and evolve and develop, you know, so there's no stopping. There's no, I, I don't see no end inside where our evolution is concerned. Yeah, and I'm certainly happy that there's no end inside for musical therapy because I watch every Sunday and it's, my, it's my, my energy, my coffee for the week. Keep going. But keep in mind, you know, that merchandising idea, you might want to expand it if people are yes. interested because yes. the quality of the work is so impressive. Yeah, thank you. The quality you. of the work is so impressive. So now I spoke to you recently and um, one of the things you mentioned is that you are more than your music and that kind of just <laughs> stuck out in my mind. So can you ex expound on that for us? Um, I... I, I, how should I, how should I say, what should I say? I am classically trained. You know, when I was growing up, um, well, I created Booyah Music. So when I was growing up, well, I was one of those who created Booyah Music. So when I was growing up, there was no Booyah Music, you know, and I was not allowed to go out, obviously. And I started music at a very, very, very young age, seeing that, uh, as I said, I'm the last of 11 and all of us play. So, um, my brother, Irvin Philip, he used to play a lot of um, like R&B Motown hits, you know, like from Stevie Wonder, Diana Ross, you know, Marvin Gaye and stuff like that. And he would put me on his lap and we would be playing together, you know. So um, that kind of music had a big influence on my development as a musician. You know, so um, I only got introduced to Kadas music at a very, very late, probably in my, probably 13, in my young teens. Mm -hmm. You know, I was introduced to Kadas music out here, it's on the radio, but it didn't really impact me. You know, it's just something I heard on the radio, but when you, I, I, I don't know, it just didn't, you know? Grab you. But then... When it came closer to home is when I got older and then you had bands like Burning Flames, 17 Plus, Imagination, Brass, you know, the VI music really started to penetrate. And then I started to hear more and more of these things. And then um, seeing that Booyah music started to develop around that same time, I got more interested in the history of Dominican music. And that is when I got to know about Kadas, educate myself about Kadas music. And I have been very privileged to be roommates with people like Gordon Henderson and Fitzroy Williams, you know, and so many Kadas greats, you know, and learn from their stories and play along with them, you know. So um, it's the, the, the development, it probably it came naturally. You know, so that is what, that's what it is. And then anytime I played music, I would try to, because of the influence of the 70s, 80s, 90s, R&B, disco, pop, you know, and trying to play like them, you know, I became 
like I would play some ballads and stuff like that. So I would say I was, I, I used to enjoy playing these songs, you know, like from Stevie Wonder or these pop hits or these R&B hits. I really enjoy playing them and then so, so, do your music. So, so can, you grace us, can you grace us with a little bit of what you do, if you don't mind? Yeah. <laughs> Let me see. And of course, you know, we're doing the, the radio interview, but a lot of my listeners right, know right, that right. Uh, we do the video, so they'll be happy to see you play as well. So what people know me for is things like that and um, you know that's what people know me for but my background is more And um, I also, let me see, Mikael Henderson, Where Are You Now? Mm -hmm. I remember that song that she did on her first album. I, produ I produced Mikael Henderson's first album. And this is what I composed, help her compose this song, Where Are You Now? So that is my foundation. Mm -hmm. That is essentially my foundation, you know. Now, now do you uh, ever have an opportunity to play like that anymore? Yes, with um, Colin. Um, we, pre-COVID, years back and years back, we um, formed a duo called C-Square, mm -hmm. where we actually, a little history. When I came back to Dominica, after Rupee, obviously I needed to find something to do with my time. So I basically created a band called Fanatic. We made an album, we did singles, we toured and stuff like that. But then it started to get very expensive to maintain a band. You know, as I said, I didn't want to, I didn't want musicians after me to go through the same struggles that I did. So I really didn't want to play to go out and play and ask somebody to play for free or give them peanuts, you know? And um, it just didn't make sense. And at the time, the hotel gig was kind of booming and people were not hiring Fanatic because they found Fanatic was too expensive. I don't find it was too expensive. I just needed to pay my guys properly. Right. You know? So, Colin and we, I, we, we need to survive, you know? So, Colin and I, um, decided to form a duo called C-Square and we started to play the hotel gigs and stuff like that and on these hotel gigs we got to play weddings and you know all these intimate setting you know um, performances and yeah you get the opportunity to play that kind of music there. Oh great I'm happy to I'm happy to hear that so you know you've accomplished so much in your lifetime um, Cornell and thank you for sharing your music with us uh, we truly appreciate that. So with everything that you've accomplished, would you say you've achieved success or do you feel that you're still on the road to success? I'm still on the road to success. Um, I always say that you're never too old to learn. Um, if you figure that you have been successful and there's nowhere else to go, then the only place for you is down. You know, and... Um, it also depends on what do you define as success. A lot of people define success as riches, mm -hmm. you know, but I think you can be as rich as you can possibly be and not be happy and you're not living a fruitful life. Mm -hmm. You know, money is a way, money is, a, is something that can allow you to live a happy life. 
but money does not make you happy. <laughs> you understand? So um, I am content with my life. I am happy with my life. Um, I'm not saying it's the best life. It can be better, but it is what it is. And I've accepted that. And that is probably my driving force that I can push. I can keep pushing to make it better, you know, to, to make myself better as a person, to make myself better as a musician, to make myself better as a husband, to make myself better as a father, you know, as a friend, because that is what it is at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day is just you being happy with your life and being content with your life, Certainly. you know, and I am, that I am. And, and, and that was beautifully said. And thank you so much for sharing your um, successes and your challenges with us. But I think a lot of us uh, who listen to Colin XP on Sunday, and we know that your mom lives in the home where you perform right. on, we really want to know, and I'm going to say it like a Dominican would say it, uh, isn't Ma Philip tired of all that noise in her head every Sunday? <laughs> like we say in Dominica, the noise in her head. You have no idea. She has been in that noise from since before the nine before 1987 mm -hmm. you know because my other brother ashton philip he had a song system called synchronic song system oh boy <laughs> and the speakers were under her room <laughs> you understand and they would build the boxes during these days and always testing stuff and so she has been she has been exposed to that song and the music and the noise for a very long time. I don't even think she hears it anymore. Because the same room or the same area where the noise started is the same area the noise is right now. And sometimes you would be practicing and I have actually opened the doors that other bands can also rehearse here. And um they would go until 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I am so concerned about her and how it is, you know, how, how we disturbing her and stuff. But I would go in the room and, Mommy, you all right? And she would say yes. And oh probably looking at TV, sometimes she's asleep. But um, I don't know, she, she, she's part of it. Yes. She's part of it because yes. you should see her behind the camera for musical therapy. Before we started this interview, I was preparing for Sunday and I was putting in some stuff and she was like, yeah, that's nice. And she started to dance, you know, but um, my mother, uh, I, I don't know if, if she couldn't, if she couldn't stand it, I don't think that we would be where we are today. Absolutely. I think she's been an incredible source of support for you guys, you know, to have all these kids involved in music in some way or the other that's and it. just be in the hub. Yeah, I call her the mother of Buyo music. Yes, certainly. No, I call her the mother of Buyo music. Um, I also, can see I call why. Mima Joseph, who is Keith's <laughs> mother. I also call her the mother of Buyo music because they had not directly on the plane itself, but mm -hmm. just on our lives, the kind of impact and the support we got from them. Mm -hmm. I think they deserve that title. Certainly. And, you know, as we get ready to wrap up, and I have to tell you, Cornel, I could speak to you all day because you've, you've had a, a, certainly an incredible life and you've made some wonderful opportunities for yourself. But have you ever stopped and thought about how you, WCK Booyah Music, how you're just part of the fabric of Dominica society? I mean, you, you, you know, you come with the warm feelings of my youth and mm -hmm. the youth of so many other people who just remember fondly going to the dances at the schools, the carnivals, mm -hmm. and okay. yes, even the sting of here, and you can't go to the WCK jam because you're on punishment. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever thought about how you guys are such a part of the fabric of Dominica society? Um, yes, I've thought about it, but I, I see no reason why I should make it go to my head. Mm -hmm. I think all of us have a responsibility to our societies. You know, wherever we're from, wherever we live, we have a responsibility and probably that is my responsibility. Just, uh, just as I have made an impact on society through music, I mean, there are teachers, there are lawyers, there are politicians, there are so many people that, that, that have 
a big stake and a big influence on our society. I'm just one of one of the other guys, you know. So I try my best not to make it go to my head. Um, there's so much more that probably I can do that I know that I can do, but because due to limited resources, you can't really push as much as you want to. But um, you just be you and you just do what you have to do and be humble. Yeah. You know, I am, I, it, bril, it, it brings a, a certain sense of appreciation to me when I see children dancing to my music. When I see people singing Colin XP songs, you know, um, I, I will admit it does bring that kind of feeling, you know, but just like, I mean, <laughs> So many people, man. The guy, down to the garbage collector, yo. Absolutely. Without the garbage collector, we sick. <laughs> you understand? And then we cannot work. Without proper sanitation, we sick and we can't work and we can't produce and we can't do what we're doing. So everybody has a major role to play in society and I'm just playing my part. Certainly. Beautifully said. And we appreciate the impact that you're making because like you said, we all have um, a role to play and we truly appreciate um, the role that you're playing. So again, thank you for being at, with us. As you know, the name of the program is Untapped Potential, but I think you're putting a lot of us to shame, Cornell, because you've certainly, <laughs> <laughs> you've certainly tapped into a lot of that potential right now. And yeah. I'm really um, happy that you have more potential to tap into, and we look yeah. forward to seeing what will be next for you. So do you have any final thoughts for us? Um, yes well to my fellow musicians upcoming musicians music is fun and 99 percent of the time we go into music because we love it mm -hmm. and probably that is our weakest point that we so love it that we'll do anything but always look at the, at music as a business mm -hmm. you know always look at it as a business um from day one from day one you love it yes but just accept the fact that you love the work that you do <laughs> you understand and um to the people out there just stay safe i mean it's a new way of life right now um be responsible um we seen the way we seen what's happening right now and i just wish that we could be more responsible in our actions as human beings you know across the board and um stay safe yes yes well, thank you for being with us again. This has been Untapped Potential with uh, Mr. Cornell Fingers Philip out of Dominica. And we've enjoyed this conversation. So continued success to you, Cornell. Thank you. Same to you, man. <clears throat>